Well, you stole my words, but <laughs> the first one was innovation. Sure. Um, and then, and by innovation, I mean, like, I had a picture of what I thought I was going to do, and then right. as I stepped outside my shell and more mm-hmm. importantly outside my comfort zone, that mm-hmm. means that have been, like, that almost terrifies me or scare me from, like, mm-hmm. you standing out of what I'm doing and mm-hmm. just growing and learning and networking. I mm-hmm. have all these other new ideas. Um, so, for instance, uh, most recently I took part in this tech conference, uh, Collision from Home. And I don't consider myself huge, like, knowledge on tech, but there's, there's ways to figure it with sports. And through networking, I was able to connect with different people, specifically our lady in film. And it almost, to me, helped me even visualize even more that, okay, Kayla, it's like your hope of taking, creating an animation can be, it's even more real now. Like, so you're taking steps in the right direction to make it more of a reality. Mm-hmm. And this is not what I pictured when I, um, was playing ball and drawing. Yeah. Like, first I had the children's book. It never crossed my mind. Like, do mm-hmm. animated film, that's the next step. So, mm-hmm. that. Um, and then with innovation and, and growth, um, I guess, too, um, mm-hmm. to continue to expand on what I'm doing and to just step outside myself more and just be more open to other possibilities besides, like, the, I guess, what the standard code is for what I do. Or the standard mm-hmm. code for what I do. So, being willing to like push limits, go outside of myself, outside mm-hmm. of things that I would have normally considered mm-hmm. um, uh, to, I guess, help, I guess, my band, but also to have yeah. a bigger impact and further reach. No, I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that example. Um, the athlete touched on it sounds, I mean, I've seen it early iterations, and I've seen it sort of organic growth on social, and I just think it's such like a perfect, you know, a perfect blend of worlds uh, for you to be in because of how it connects to digital graphic art and entrepreneurship and I just really honor you for sharing how that was you pushing it out of your comfort zone. When I saw you do that, I was just like, well, that just makes sense. That's like, that's like a given. But to hear, like I said at the top, people who would otherwise be perceived as like having it all figured out or their future steps and what help could they possibly need and all these like Unfortunately, very, I feel, destructive and unhelpful projections and perceptions when somebody has reached a level of success and thinking, okay, that's it. They, they couldn't possibly, you know, be nervous or feel like they're pushing themselves up for their comfort zone, as you mentioned, or need help. And so I'm so glad you shared that because that's the realness and the goodness that I feel listeners um, can take value from to really, like, create a leveling of the playing field where it's just you're all literally try to figure it out. It's so funny. I follow somebody named Gavin Shepard. He's um he's the founder of a local of a local youth organization and I'm watching um you should look him up. He's awesome. He has it's it's kind of like an alternative school. Um Jesse Reyes, the Juno and, and Austin nominated sorry not Austin Brandy nominated Singer came out of that art creative program. His take on that piece of us all trying to get about it. He's just like, people literally, and I love that he said this, are all looking around. He's like, first of all, nobody knows what they're doing. Everyone's just literally winging it, seeing what works, running with what works, failing fast, failing early, 
um, and sailing forward. And he's like, nobody knows what they're doing. So more and more and longer and longer, I'm in this game. And he said, it's literally usually a question of seeing who, who appears to, <laughs> who appears to look like they know what they're doing and be like, oh, that's so smart. And people follow the person who's brave enough to, to take the first step of leadership. And similar to the founder of the Athlete Summit, similar to many of us who are just like, okay, well, I'm just going to try because I don't want to live up the rest of my life. You know, just waiting for a blueprint, you know, and waiting for, for some kind of, like, perfect cookie-cutter opportunity. So I love that he said that. I'm actually going to look up his thing because I want to give him a show. He's been a distant inspiration for me the past 10 years, ever since I, um, you know, was an intern at Microsoft. I connected with um, an MTV show and got them, you know, visibility on MSN.ca. It was called For Real. Shout out to Soul Guy, who was the host of For Real, because he actually came to my university and the tech back, I promise you, it's your piece of I don't really know what I'm doing and I was outside of my comfort zone. Um, Soul Guy was the host of an MTV show called For Real, which had Cameron Diaz and Casey Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix and most F and Kanon and all these different artists um, on the show going to various places around the second and third world where young people were making a difference in their local community to kind of bridge that celebrity and, um, you know, local cause gap for viewers to, like, realize what's going on in the world. He came on somewhat of a, a tour of universities, and there was, like, a quiet, intimate um, gathering at Carlson University where I did my undergrad 13 years ago. Um, and... So 12 years ago, I met him when he came to speak to, like, the dozen of us who were there. And I was like, okay, so how do you do what you do? How did you pull this MTV show together? How did you pull all the celebrities together? How did you pull the causes and, and fly across the world? And he's like, literally, you just have to create your home. Because that was it. I was like, how did you do this? Like, what's your secret sauce or where did you start? He said, you have to create yourself. And... We had some tests, and the nugget of that was, was always being, I feel, dissatisfied with what has yet to exist in society or wish, what you wish would exist or what you wish was out there that you could tap into and where you could see yourself reflected and be able to show that doesn't exist. This is what a comfort zone or a safe space or, or a dream scenario would look like to me and being like, okay, well, the thing that I want to have is this, that would be reflective and representative of me and others like me, is the thing I have to create. And that's kind of what Saul gave me, what um, a, an industry colleague of his, Gavin Shepard, mentioned, it was like, nobody knows what they're doing. And I'm just so glad that you said it, because it just, it's just in keeping with, with almost like the secret that, um, you know, gets spoken of, but... Yeah, so it's called the Remix. Remix? Um, yeah, the Remix Collective that Gavin Shepard has. Also, I'll paint it to you on, on Instagram. But going yeah, back to that, too, sorry? <laughs> yes, please. Everything I keep trying to when you yeah. people, you have to create it yourself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people fail to realize, like, you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Like, people are successful on accident. Like, everybody is successful who you're looking up to. Yeah. put in hours and time and sacrifice or discipline, like, 
Uh-huh. I think that was something that I learned when I was trying to create the book. Yeah. Like, you guys have been basketball to take all those things that had been in it for so long, and because it was mm-hmm. different, and it was a different kind of beast, like, it, that's what it really hit me. Like, you can be successful, you just have to be willing to spend the work. And yeah. that's the part that people don't want to do. They don't want to spend the work. They want something that's easy and quick or just hand it down to them. And that's not how it works. And if you want to yeah. be last and be succeeding, I think it's important to go through that struggle and the journey of trying to figure it out, how to really build it and make it happen so that when you do yeah. make it, it's like mm-hmm. you appreciate it and it's, it's authentic and it's real so it'll last. A million. A million. No, I'm so happy you said that. And I'll just do last two takeaways on that piece, Taylor. One is there's, I understand where you're coming from when you say that it would appear that there's people who just don't want to put in the work. But where I feel you circle that around beautifully um, is once you find something you're passionate about, then it kind of flows naturally. I think that there was a narrative that perhaps a generation ahead of us or a couple generations ahead of us. I'm not going to name names. We all know what the generation ahead of millennials and the generation that gave birth to us are because we don't want to say it's generation more. But there was a narrative in referring to millennials and referring to Gen Z that, oh, they just don't want to work hard. I have a challenge that narrative, which is very common and very easy to kind of like anchor on. And I would elevate that to what is a bit of what you were just saying is like once you find what it is you're passionate about, once you find what it is that like soaks that fire inside of you, makes you want to get up, makes it not feel like work. Find that thing. Usually it's the thing that people may have told you that'll never be you or don't be a starving artist, but he discouraged you. Because let me tell you something in this high class of the spiritual piece is that the universe, the not so bright parts of the universe will always try and discourage the light. And so whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever it is that you're maybe discouraged or told won't pay much or 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 were insecure about that, that like you know, you spent yourself you, you found yourself spending hours googling and YouTubing about that is literally the thing. Like if I were to create a blueprint or a framework of what <laughs> what got me to this point, um, professionally, educationally, career wise, of being communicator, pursuing communications, pursuing my master's of business. Pursuing, you know, tech law, understanding the technological or the legal side of technology, so I knew that was my love. Was first year of university, which, you know, was great. I found myself, this is 0708, spending more time educating myself and just like investing what I realize now was precedent and blueprint of what I wanted my life to look like, watching YouTube. I put more time on YouTube, trying to find the answer out there that I could not my career or my education after. I spent more time on YouTube than certainly going to any, you know, pub crawl or anything like that. Like, I, I was a nerd, you know, I was just some party. So I had some fun in university, but I just say that what I ended up doing that next year was specializing instead of an in international affairs, because to me, international affairs was like, okay, well, anything international means I'll be able to travel the world, but really, my true calling was communications and information technology policy, which was just another specialization offered within my program in public affairs, which is like, okay, if I'm going to spend four years in honors 
getting an honors degree and it's going to be hard. I might as well be doing something I love that ties back to what I already see within me. And for me, it was seeing myself reflected in media, seeing myself reflected in, you know, the world communications. And so the, the story can go on and on and on, and this is not a chat or a call about me, but I think what you hit the nail on the head of is people want to work hard at their passion. They don't want to work hard at what they're not passionate about. It's kind of how I would elevate that, that team. <laughs> and you need to do away with this, discouraging the light and the fire that is in somebody that is natural and saying, don't be a starving artist and saying, that's not science and engineering and not just like no STEM or theme, which includes the A for art, is all encompassing and you need to help stoke people's fire. So, <laughs> I have way too many philosophies, but that is okay because that is why I do the Costco podcast. She put it all out there for people to um, really be our own permission givers. And this is something that Morgan DeBond, the um, founder, the co-founder of Blavity Media, she really inspired me when she's like, you know what? It just came down to be my own permission giver. Instead of going around for years, she's your age. She's like a year younger than me. She's like, instead of going around for years, Waiting for somebody to bestow the right to tap into my greatness on me, I just gave myself permission to do that. And it's so simple, but it's so, it's either the simplest thing that's, that's the critical thing to, to getting to that aha moment of, oh, actually, yeah, I don't need someone to validate, you know, what I already know inside me and in a structure to run with. So, I mean, like, we just have forever, definitely, but I felt that that was so key, what you just said, and I wanted to just speak on that point. There was a second point. I forget it. It might come back later. <laughs> but, yeah, no, seriously, girl. Um, I just want to, okay, cool. It's just talking, um, recording. So, I want to segue to a question, and we're trying to stay as semi-rocket fire as possible. <laughs> that's okay. This is the first go-around. There's going to be all the more goodness because we are not super uptight and stringent. So how have you, Kayla, articulated or leveraged your diverse identity as what I call a premium asset to industry culture? Now, I know this is a little bit of a mouthful. But take your crack at it, or I can break it down. Please, no, I will have you break it down. Quick breakdown. I promise. Quick, quick breakdown. My philosophy, and I started Brady Brands in its first iteration three and a half years ago. In its most recent iteration, um, it's always been kind of the same logo. In its most recent iteration, um, when it evolved from being my discipline off the where I work as a plan for people across Toronto, as I own TorontoBusinessPlan.com, was being like, you know what? That's cool. I'll keep that, but we need to be about something. We need to be about what makes businesses in Southern Ontario distinct and competitive and rare. And so thus was born Rarity Brands in its final iteration as a brand name. And so... Defining and breaking down that is part of the pillar in terms of authentic inclusivity of rarity brands um, ties to this idea of how everybody um, 
if you think of Southern Ontario, if you think of Ontario and just my own backyard, which is all have to go off of, uh, to, to form my foundation as somewhat of a hotbed of diversity, a hotbed of folks who figure out how to harness, articulate, and leverage their diverse identity, okay, package it, and sell it, promote it as a premium asset to industry culture. When I say premium asset, what do I mean? I mean, you cannot get this, what it is that I have to offer as somebody who's from Southern Ontario or from Canada or from Ontario, period, who has a diverse identity. No matter how you define that, diverse does not just mean people of color. It does not just mean women. It is diverse in all the ways that make Canadians diverse. Just the fact that we have two official languages and that we've got an indigenous heritage and background in our culture. Like, diversity and identity as a Canadian, I genuinely believe that on the world stage, in global industry culture, when you take a Canadian and you put them in Hollywood, or when you take a Canadian and you put them in Silicon Valley, when you take a Canadian from Southern Ontario or from Hannah, Manitoba, you know, like our favorite pop rock band. <laughs> um, Nickelback. When you take Nickelback from Hannah, Manitoba, and you play, take a pop rock band and you place them in, in, you know, the music culture, if you take any diverse iteration of identity from Canada and you place them anywhere in the world, what has proven to be true, what has proven to be valued is that we are a premium asset to the cultures of those industries. Few examples, not to anchor too much on Hollywood, but that's okay. Sandra O. Diverse, female, killing it. Won an Emmy, killed it on Grey's Anatomy, favorite show of all time, favorite character almost of all time. Sandra O. is one example, and then she just killed it in the Air Canada, you know, do that Canadian thing series that was on social media also mentioned later as an example. Sandra Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you know, he was not born in Canada, but he actually has Canadian citizenship. He's actually Hollywood's highest paid actor, celebrity, entertainer, period. He is creating so much innovation across the athletic, entertainment, um, real industry when he took a project rock and his Under Armour collaboration with another Ripley brand, Canadian PK Subban, um, and his fiance, Lindsay Vaughn. Like there there's a common thread that is like not coincidental that when Canadians go out into industry anywhere, be it sports, be it Hollywood, be it, you know, television, be it wherever, we kill it. We and by say kill it, we succeed astronomically. To try to say it, you know, in that <laughs> So, having anchored in those examples, Killa, my question is how have you articulated, and I see you do it, and part of why I'm asking because like, I've already seen you do it, so I'll help you, you've already done it. How have you articulated your diverse identity as 
a standout, a premium asset to the industry that you're in, in basketball and the WNBA. I've seen you speak vocally or represent proudly your state, your background, your integrity, your identity. And so I would love to hear you kind of break down that common thread of what I, how I see you harnessing and um, positioning your brand as a premium asset. Uh, your diverse identity as a creative asset to industry culture. Okay. Well, okay. So let's use my friend answer then would be, um, I guess <laughs> what makes me diverse or different is the fact that I'm not, like, through, even though I'm an athlete, I'm also an artist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that kind of plays into it. No, yeah. Yeah. Over totally. Trying to leverage, like, in the W, I'm mm-hmm. a Canadian. And I think mm-hmm. I'm one of, I think there's like four or five of us this year. Mm-hmm. So trying to leverage that on the W side, as you see, like, that's kind of different, but also to help maybe bring awareness and get more kids involved in the Canadian. Yeah. Be like, hey, like, you can do this too, or this would be higher too. With that, well, I mean, like, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's meant to be answered organically, the question came to me organically in the sense that, Anywhere Canadians go in the world, I feel that, that the values and the culture and the history that our country embeds within us, you know, peace, safety, security, <laughs> inclusivity, um, diversity, um, multiculturalism, um, I don't even want to say tolerance, but those genuine embracing acceptance. These are all ideals that, sure, they don't always play out like carbon copy in real life, but I would say by and large, these are ideals that Canadians aspirationally and cognitively associate themselves with. And as such, I feel that that's something we bring out there to the world. Um, it's just such a long list of Canadians who are just, you know, Absolutely killing the game, um, no matter where it is that they go. But I definitely wanted to just touch on that piece of, of you know, I feel that you've done beautifully, Kayla, is being very open about your diverse identity and all the ways that that, everything that makes up that, and how you, to your point, have used that to bring visibility to, hey, they're after female followers from Canada. We are very different backgrounds, and we are various different faiths, and we are an asset to professional sports, and here's what makes us different, and hey, young girls coming up behind us, here's where you can see yourself reflected, and it's so important, be it for young Canadian girls, or be it for a young basketball, female basketball player in England, or in Australia, or New Zealand or in Kenya, or in South Africa, or every other country, Kayla, of the, of the British Commonwealth, because that is the other um, richness and premium asset that we as Canadians bring to the table when we travel throughout the world, throughout industry, is yes, we're Canadian, yes, hear all the things that make up being Canadian, but we've also got this beautiful family behind us um, across the British Commonwealth where you 
yes, maybe a, a role model for Canadian girls, but you're also equally a role model for girls across the British, the British Commonwealth, which I think is so, so powerful. Especially when you, like, dissect it, look at it, and see it for what it is and harness it in a very intentional and cognizant way. And we can talk about that as well and double tick into that later, but I just want to, like, say kudos for how you are unwittingly and un- un- unawarely very much embodying what a rarity brand is. Um, as far as what I'm trying to promote with this platform and as far as the, the, the blueprint that I feel um, needs to be replicated out there for the betterment of the world, for bringing bringing the world a little bit more of Canada. Like Bono said, the world needs a little bit more of Canada. President Obama echoed it in uh, Parliament as well, and so this is kind of like my way of trying to codify that to bring the world a little bit more of Canada. So kudos to you for like embodying that. So a Canadian brand that you consider as a rarity on the global market, what comes to mind? The Canadian brand? Yeah, Canadian brand. Take your time. That can be a commercial brand, like a product, a candy goose, like whatever, like a commercial brand. Um, sorry, a consumer brand. That can be a consumer brand, or can be an individual brand. I'll leave that to your imagination. Either or. A Canadian brand that you consider a rarity on the global market. I don't have a good answer for this one. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm trying to think of, like, a creative brand that I'm really excited about, and I can't think of any right now out of my head. Like, and then well, when I think of a personal one, the first thing I can find, I'm like, oh, Drake. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Is that enough? Oh, okay. well, he's not terrible. He's not terrible. No, no, no. That makes perfect sense. Company. That is yeah. what I now, so I don't have an answer. No, they're definitely a brand. Drake's definitely a brand onto themselves. Um, because obviously there's another team behind him. So, perfect. I mean, it's almost like the, the cookie cutter answer in today's day and age because he's of our generation, full millennial, fellow, um, Canadian color, specifically Canadian black descent, all of those things. And has leveraged his brand, I feel, in a way that definitely embodies the ethos of rarity brands and that he's all about inclusivity. He's all about community from what I see and from what, I, from what I've experienced um, as an, a member of the, the market audience, um, being an ambassador for Toronto Rappers, being an ambassador for just, you know, good old-fashioned Canadian, you know, values and and um, character and conduct and so forth. And there's so many things that we could um, – do to break down how he has carried himself as a business professional, as an artist, as an innovator, as a leader. Um, but because we are trying to be rapid fire here, we will leave it at that because he's definitely a good poster child for um, many things. But definitely what I would agree is reflective of um, a Canadian brand that is a rarity in the global market, particularly because he's a global brand. So perfect. So next thing, and we'll make this a little easier for you, Kayla. Um, is woman-led brands that you consider a rarity? Because it could be a consumer brand, 
for it to be a, like an actual woman, but a woman-led brand that you consider rarity in keeping with a lot of the definitions of what rarity brands all about that I had spoken to earlier in our talk. Oh, three million hands down. Oh, yes. Oh, Taylor. Yes. She's doing so much. I love she's She's literally breaking down every barrier and challenging every stereotype and every status quo. So, hands down. And she's killing it in every department. So, yeah. Literally. And you know what I think she's doing beautifully? She's also not afraid to have people see her vulnerability. She's not afraid to have people see her in her own show, her own iterative process. She's growing, Serena, the fashion brand, right before our eyes, you know, as she pursues, as she continues to build her athletic career, as she continues to build her other entrepreneurial ventures as a speaker, as a interviewer, as a investor, so forth. She's not afraid to start where she needs to start. And I liken that to when I remember in the mid-2000s, Victoria Beckham came over to, because she's, she's a rarity when it comes to mind. She's not doing such a millennial. She's my favorite price girl, probably because she is similar temperament as myself. Ambivert, introvert, extrovert, if one of the two, serious, you know, somewhat of like a way from the here, whatever. I always resonated with Victoria as a brand and as, a, as you know, her public persona. She built her Victoria Beckham fashion brand before I, you know, from the mid-2000s to where it is now, where she's, like, you know, a high fashion, any and every fashion unique brand, any and every celebrity wearing her clothes brand. And what I thought her doing in the mid-2000s was, kind of one-on-one of entrepreneurship, which is leverage your friendly, leverage your friendly family. It is okay, folks, listeners out there. Anyone who tells you, go and go and be successful with strangers first and then prove yourself to your friends and family. Like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this idea, this idea that you shouldn't have friendlies, you shouldn't have your immediate circle, yet first immediate family, cousins, second cousins, it's that is your that is your 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 trial ground. That is your proof of concept testing ground. That is those are the people who should want to see that spark within you thrive and look within themselves, within their networks, within their Rolodex to help you get there. This idea that you should have to hide your 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 climb, your ascent, your struggle. No, that might have applied for some far flung, no longer relevant generation, but going forward in the future in terms of who succeeded in our generation. It's, it's all about your day one and who's in your immediate circle. And so so I say that really to say that um, what Serena's doing and your answer in terms of she's, she's doing exactly what Victoria Beckham did a decade and a half ago. And look how far Victoria Beckham's come. So I love that that's your answer because in many ways I feel like she's, taking, she, she's following not necessarily her playbook, but a playbook where it's like, yeah, it's okay, I'm growing up. Yes, I'm a celebrity, yes, I'm famous, but I'm growing. I'm taking baby steps. You guys can come along on this journey with me. You guys can watch me grow. That's okay. And that's beautiful, and I feel like, okay, if Victoria Beckham, if Serena Williams can give themselves permission to do that on the public stage as huge of stars that they are, then sure as heck, Kayla Alexander can do it. Sure as heck, any 
budding entrepreneur can do it. So kudos to you for saying Serena because she's like, be perfect. Yep. You know, template example of a rarity brand uh, as far as women brands on the global stage. Global brands that you consider a rarity. So not necessarily women, just global brands. Um, so now I guess the two that come to mind would be um, Nike and Apple. Yeah. Oh, totally. like they're, they're on classic mode. Um, for the most part, I like to believe that they're inclusive. Um, they, especially when it comes to Apple, allow people mm-hmm. of the space to be creative and innovative. And um, uh, I guess, no, they're like the past, well, they allow that, but they're also the prime example of constant innovation and trying yeah. to do themselves and take yeah. that. So those are the two that come to mind when I think of like a global, uh, global scale. And I think what's cool, Kayla, of your having said that is the fact that in today's social media, digital media-driven age, that our generation, Gen Z, we're the drivers of brands, we're the definers of brands. Um, we're the generation who are defining brands' identities, and we're, we're telling them what we want to see from them. So if you think about what Nike said recently in the past year or so, with, the, with, with deciding which side of history they want to stand when it comes to um, their campaign with Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about the leadership and innovation, particularly the leadership that Apple's taken in terms of who they've partnered with um, in creating original content, and I think it's their partnership with Oprah and Duke of Suffolk from Terry, and strategically from a business lens, from that perspective, seeing, okay, Apple doesn't need to, like, prove they're the real McCoy. They're on that next level of wanting to create content that makes the world a, not just a better place, but a more sustaining place and a more sustainable place. Sustaining meaning a world that creates content that can help sustain us as we build and evolve and go about our lives. And sustainable in the sense that from a business perspective, when you make sustaining content that feeds people's souls, you as a business are then going to be more sustainable from an ROI bottom line perspective in the long term. So I love that you said that because that's what I see, and I also see that that's in keeping with how our generation um, are creating and are redefining and are reinventing the identity of these brands. And then finally, I love the fact that I'm a brand new that can like logos and branding and things like that. I just love it. The fact that Nike, um, you probably know this is the Greek goddess's victory. Mm-hmm. The Nike's, uh, Zeus is actually, if you turn it sideways, it's the angel wings. It's actually the angel wings of the Greek goddess. Is it the sun listeners might not know that? Either way, I thought it was just a cool thing when we think about the empowerment of women and the empowerment of female entrepreneurs. The fact that Nike is just like embodies that in its name and literally logo. So awesome, awesome, awesome answer. Um, okay, so what does a rare asset to industry culture look like to you? And by rare asset, um, I feel the three pillars offensive inclusivity, innovation, and creativity. What are some other rare assets 
that when you see it so out there in industry culture, you're like, okay, that you don't see that everywhere, and that like sees my school. I'm so happy to see that type of thing. Honestly, I always it's, it's something different. Like mm-hmm. we're willing to do something that's like outside the norm or right. what is expected. I'm always down for that because it means mm-hmm. that we're not afraid to try to mm-hmm. the balance and try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? No, that's perfect. Oh, okay, cool. No, no, no. But if you had, (laughs) if you had a lingering thought, please feel free. But that hits the nail right on the head. I mean, I'm not even gonna comment. You, I'll just drop the mic. (laughs) Yeah, like he does something unexpected and goes outside the box, and I mean that that's what innovation is all about. And when you think about what. People are craving for nowadays. I think of something like Fenty Beauty. Like Brianna literally just like, okay, well here's the huge gaping hole in the beauty industry, the huge gaping hole in you know just women consumer goods. Period. She said she's got lingerie and sunglasses and so good. She had her beautiful platform. That's if you have your amazing platform, and she's like, okay, well this is a no-brainer, and I have the I guess in her in her instance the credibility, the um the longevity, the platform that allowed her to take what may have appeared to certain perspectives as a risk, but just fill that gap is to your point, something different that goes outside the norm, that goes outside the box that people are craving for. And there's so many other fancy beauty templates or blueprints or iterations out there where similarly all you have to do is, is feed the soul and feed the minds and the hearts and sustain the souls and minds of hearts and folks who have otherwise not been spoken to, who have not been heard, um, not been catered to and served. I think of your book, Carol, that's obviously doing a huge um, service to little girls out there who see them both reflective and you will boom, you're a rarity. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to charge you hard nowadays. Hopefully that'll no longer be the case one day. Um what I define as a rarity brand will be just what it takes to be a successful brand period. A sustainable, sustainable, successful brand. Um but we gotta start somewhere by like spelling it out for people to run with it. Um what we <laughs> Cool. Like, how do we how do we make our organizations more diverse? How do we support this, that, and the other groups of people? Okay, let's let's make it easy. Let's from a business perspective break it down. People can do and companies can do with um, these conversations, these episodes, um, what they will. And my goal is to just be the less of the thing and more more of the But it was just out there. Um, because it is so tangible. Um, once you break it down. So I would say the next question, Rapid Fire Sound is how did you identify a force of nature? Um, okay, so this is a being case mine. And mm-hmm. I think to me a force of nature is someone like um a Beyonce. Yes. And by that I mean like She's a force to be reckoned with. Like, if she wants to do something, she's going to do it. She's super mm-hmm. confident. She's the example of, like, what mm-hmm. excellence looks like. Yeah. I feel like 
I've never had the pleasure of going to the concert, but everybody who saw it has said like she is like she performs she's excellent. She does. Every single one. Yeah. She does not take a performance off, just take anything off. Like everything mm-hmm. she does. She's very uh particular and wants it to be like she's very pic- uh particular and picky about her craft because mm-hmm. it's a representation of her and it's her brand. So mm-hmm. I don't blame her for that. But she would be what I would refer to as um uh, like a force of nature. Yeah. Yeah. A million. I mean, there's just, there's my job again right there. There's so much stuff to be said, said about that, but especially I feel like she's done the past year, um, quoting an interview that her mom gave around having mentioned, hey, Beyonce, I'm not sure mainstream's going to understand the entire homecoming and, um, HBCU culture. And Beyonce was like, you know what, I'm at a point in my career where it's not about doing what's expecting me. It's not about doing what's commercially mainstream, cute, cozy, and comfortable. It is about serving and honoring and sustaining the people out there who are not being seen and who, ironically, um, ooh, with, with, rarity, ooh, this talent, beauty, and, and passion, and the essence of what has made um, American pop culture, global pop culture in the past century or two, if you include, you know, rock and roll period to Jackson's eyes to Michael Jackson to the 90s. So the demographics that make up the genre of R&B the pain that people of color are going through, she's like, this is who needs to be served. And that, my friend, is what it needs to be a rarity to stand up for what your subconscious or what mainstream or what status quo may have told you to sit down for instead of stand up for. So yes, yes to Beyonce, fourth maker, and again, especially women who has a platform or a brand that has a platform that is already stellar and just like world precedent setting. One of the largest, biggest artists in the world in terms of success and revenue and so forth and cultural impact. Um, but then making it meaningful and sustaining as far as the future she wants to make for her children, she's future she wants to make for the next generation, the future that's needed and that's grateful and that that hasn't in many ways moved the needle since the 1960s civil rights movement. Yes, yes to anyone who replicates Beyonce's blueprint of being a force of nature. Like I'm already hella powerful, <laughs> hella successful, and I'm going to harness that power and that success and back it up behind something that is struggling to move the needle, that is struggling to be heard, that is struggling to finally have a watershed moment of reckoning or breakthrough, and I'm going to get behind that thing because that's what's going to make my brand go down in history. It's going to sustain my audiences and my marketplace, and it's going to be sustainable from ROI and my bottom line because people, people pay for what feeds them ultimately in the day, their souls, their spirits, their minds. So definitely appreciate that example, Kayla. Um, I so love that yeah. how I feel like back in the day, and I can't yeah. be wrong because I was no, no, no. around <laughs> but I feel like back then, like, you only thought of brands as like companies, 
brands are like people. Yes. Uh, that's kind of cool. I mean, beyond cool, it's it's what it's what kind of like I said earlier put the power back in our hands as millennials, as uh, our younger Gen Z generation, where we not only define brands, be it consumer brands, consumer goods, um, or individual brands, we define them in terms of giving them direct immediate feedback, your social position of what we want to see. And so we help and we have more of a stake and hand in um, shaping what those brands are because of what we're telling them we are craving for and want to see. So yes, it's so cool and I think that our generation has done a beautiful, organic, natural job at at taking that bull by the horn. Um, and so here's to continuing that, I guess, but I'd love that you just, like, double-click on that point, Sheila. Um, let me try and continue keeping it about stuff. So this is especially going to be that. So when are you able to show up, Sheila, as your highest self? So the question is when. And I'm going to I'm gonna just quickly add to that. So I'm asking when are you able to show up as your highest self? How, where, and with whom are you able to show up as your highest self? And I ask that specifically because we've, we've come up in a society that has oftentimes told women or people of diverse backgrounds to shrink, to hide themselves, to make themselves palatable to whatever powers that be mainstream need validation from. So, I mean, that's just one example that tells the question, when are you able, how are you able, where and with whom, Kayla, are you able to show up as your highest self? So the how would definitely be with my faith. Um, mm-hmm. With God, Being inspired by those things is what I hear you saying. 
And then the who is obviously a close friends and family, and I'm, I definitely second that. I feel that it's all about um, fewer things done better. <laughs> it's all about finding those those few environments where you can be and, and be fed and be sustained in those ways. So I, I appreciate and honor you those answers. Totally, totally helpful. Kayla, how do you see the opportunity? So now I'm getting into somewhat of like the shark, business shark, side of you, wherever that may be, or wherever it may have been manifested, how do you see the opportunities? How do I seize it? Seize them. So when you see an opportunity, when you see a window, when you see something like, how much? Yeah. Oh, Seize opportunities. So when you see something like, that has my name on it, that's mine, I'm going to go get that. Almost like that, like, athlete instinct. How do you seize opportunities? I guess Honestly, I just go for it. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. you have to just, I've learned recently is that you have mm-hmm. to just try. You have to just go for it. And if you fall flat on your face and you fail, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. That's mm-hmm. a good experience. Grow from it. Right. And then try again. So I think seizing it is just going for it. And believe, having enough belief in yourself and mm-hmm. what you're trying to do that you'll find a way to make it happen or you'll be successful with it or you'll, mm-hmm. you'll just learn from this process with it. Does that make sense? Totally. And especially you said around going into it, knowing that it's not going to be perfect and that there will be innovations and in, in moments of what feels like failure. But knowing that and remembering that failure is actually what success looks like, both the path and the journey of success actually includes preparing for, and even Will Smith, as we know, has just, like, boomed and blossomed on Instagram. He talked about embracing failure, like, giving it a hug, wrapping your arms around it normally, and knowing that that peace, that feeling, that thing, that failure is, is an opportunity for you to grow, and just knowing it's part and parcel of the, of the journey of success. Love that you said that. How would you tell define timelessness? Timelessness? hmm Something that... Timelessness. I would say... Something that can withhold the uh, stand of time. So something that... Um, I guess the perfect example of it would be the Bible. I feel like yeah. something that, even though it was written like how many thousands of years ago, the lessons and still hold true. So if you can create, recreate something like that through your brand or through your vision, you know, what you're trying to do mm-hmm. that can carry throughout the world, mm-hmm. throughout time, then I think that would be kind of good. Perfect. Love it. So much goodness in, in life right there in terms of content and precedence for folks to run with. Kayla, what would you describe in your competitor? So this should be somewhat second nature for you. What would you describe as a sustainable competitive advantage? Mindset. Or a brand. Mindset. Mindset. I think whether you like it or not in athletics, mm-hmm. 80 to 90 percent of it is mindset. If you have the right mindset, if you have confidence, if you mm-hmm. um, know that you have a way of overcoming this through something before and check your training and what you, all your preparation and that belief in yourself, mm-hmm. that helps you through anything. Um, there's a saying in basketball, like, if you get in someone's head, it's game over. Mm-hmm. It's true. So I think mindset is definitely what can give you that, like, edge and that, that um, tool that keeps you success to be successful and to last. Um, Amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what LeBron James's partnership with the Calm app about, all about promoting mental fitness. Where it's not a nice to have, it's not a, an agenda, elective. It is a, this is literally the bread and butter and the front and center of the point to sustain you and build your sustainable, lasting foundation. You should do all the things that you want to do. If your mind is shot, if you are not taking care of and being mindful of what you allow your energy to be dispensed on or what you ingest it with content or even what you follow or whatever the case may be. Mental fitness mindset. I love that you said that because it's in keeping with one of your fellow professional basketball athletes. Well, that is. How cool is that? <laughs> Um, so, rapid fire as we go, so, what inspires you, Kayla? However you make you to answer that off the top. Uh, the world inspires me. Um, whether Travel. it's yeah. being in nature, whether mm-hmm. it's something in my personal life, or I've uh, overcame something and mm-hmm. taught me something and I get, like, a spark of inspiration that way. Yeah. Whether it's seeing growth in someone, um, that I'm talking or speaking with or interacting with, mm-hmm. um, life. Um, nature, mm-hmm. yeah, the world gives the inspiration. Amazing. And I, from what I've seen also in how you describe the gift of basketball is the ability through basketball to travel. Mm-hmm. And that inspiration that comes from that, right, yeah. the world, nature, yeah. And how was it in Africa? I think I saw you in West Africa. Uh, the car, Senegal, it was amazing. My trip was way too short. I went with Team Canada, right, to play in the government of Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, the race is doing such incredible things in mm-hmm. Canada and the world abroad, which right. is. I'm mm-hmm. glad to see children again, so yeah. thankful for the opportunity to, to go over there and, um, I guess, inspire and mm-hmm. exchange the sports. Beautiful. I mean, there are just no words, but that's actually a great segue to some of what you wanted to chat about specifically, Kayla. Um, before I get into um, the question I want to ask, to your point about inspiring girls through sports. Um, the question being, what is your brand's mission? Just so very much in keeping with that that you just mentioned. I want to ask you a couple things, just just for just for the sake of building again brand footprint precedent. Um, what or who do you organically attract that you've observed? And then on the flip side, what would you love to organically attract? to your brand, so a little bit of both. What's already happening? What do you want to see coming to you organically more and more as you go? Um, so organically, what I've noticed is I feel like there's like an openness, like a safe space, because mm-hmm. people feel confident enough that they enough to like reach out and like tell me or like share their stories with me, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Oh. And something I wish I could organically create more of Mm-hmm. Is, um, I guess more partnerships with other organizations or brands who have the same values that mm-hmm. are working towards what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. And together that even more, um, has more impact for the reach. Beautiful. Perfect. Um, I mean, that's totally great segue, Taylor. So when we had first connected <laughs> several months ago, but particularly yesterday, when I first sent you the insight, this girl, for everybody, anyone who does business with Kayla, she is a prompt responder because she sent me um, 
her goal of wanting to talk about is ask you a question around what's your brand's mission. You've mentioned your your notes for this show that you want to talk about the power of sports, the way skills we can gain through sports, uh, how young girls are not involved in sports in Canada, particularly the number being 62% of young girls are not involved in sports. And finally, the piece around and so these three bullets I put them together because they're all part and parcel of your women's finding the piece pillow around why women in sports um, is so important and why we need to make it more visible and accessible. So I'm sort of reading out those pieces that you wanted to talk about. I'm positioning the question of what's your brand mission to help you anchor those talking points um, on what is your brand mission because I feel it's tied into that. Oh. Yeah, so definitely when it comes to like our youth and community uh, community involvement, um, I think youth is a big part of mm-hmm. um, what I'm inspiring to do and what I do a lot of the why behind what I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard those numbers about that round report where it's like those girls are dropping out into like high rates. Right. And it's sad in me. So um, that's something that I'm very passionate about mm-hmm. and um, motivation between motivation behind a lot of what I do and hope to inspire, encourage, mm-hmm. um, motivate, and educate young girls um, through sport and to, to open up a new world to them of possibilities and opportunities mm-hmm. that sports could provide. And then um, on the other side of that, there's like the whole, whoops, what's for? The narrative in the world needs to change with respect to how we interact with sports and women. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I mentioned Lexina Williams, because I believe that she's changing, she's trying hard to change that narrative. Oh, but there's a lot yeah. of visibility, and I feel like that it's all interconnected because, uh, like I said earlier, if girls see other women in certain positions doing things, yeah. they are going to be inspired and believe that they can also hold those positions, if they won't second guess that, and then it yeah. kind of just shifts this, like, a, uh, this uh, cycle, where now the number, I think, in Involvement in sports will go up. We'll see more mm-hmm. women in leadership positions, more women in all a variety of roles. And we'll just, mm-hmm. it, as a result, it will change the narrative and hopefully leave the world in a better place. Because steady still, the women are in certain leadership positions and leadership roles. Not mm-hmm. only do those positions do better, but everybody wins. So it's like a win-win situation. I need the rest of the world to get on board with that too. So I'm trying yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you're you're totally on the right track. First of all, thank you for breaking down that perspective. How do you think there's a full cycle of it, right? So it's like where you're at now, having been a young girl in sports. But I feel like part of what I hear saying from the stats and the, what the studies show is kind of what's starting to happen now with what the last month has yielded in terms of, okay, it's nice to put, you know, it's nice, to, it's nice to put up a cute post or a motivational statement, but where and how can we now put together the business model, the business case, the business approach to solving the problem of disparity in terms of representation of women, um, sports of young girls in sports, and how do we make the business case? How do we structure it, position it, present it to companies who, quite frankly, they're business folks, they know numbers, they understand business propositions, they themselves are trying to fill their pipeline with quality candidates, sustainable, lasting um, structures off of which they can build their brand. And so I feel kind of like what um, 
the founder of Kingsdale executives, what Hall is doing with the Black North Initiative of putting together a business approach, strategy, methodology, presentation for solving issues around diversity in companies, but it's just like frustratingly never-ending. It just does not need to be persisting for this long. Let's just like have the companies look as and operate as diversely and inclusively and therefore successfully as possible since everybody I would imagine wants to be behind success. So similarly for the way that he's with the Black North initiative creating business approach to solving that problem now because it's been for years that people have, you know, protested and been up in arms. I feel that how that can lend then to making and creating a business approach to somehow connecting the pipeline of girls in schools who are not yet in sports, encouraging them as a sport, having that somehow funded or backed supported by corporations who want to, or companies or organizations, be they not-for-profits or public sector or private sector, who want to have that quality pipeline funnel up into who they end up hiring, who ends up leading those companies, is investing at the initial phases into these girls who, as you mentioned, are proven to be more successful um, and more game-changing in their industries when they have a background in sports. Um, I mean, like, I can only speak to, as I mentioned earlier, how sports has anchored and changed and guided and, and set precedent for how I've pursued my path. Um, and so there are similar, I feel, other profiles and blueprints and, and personal concepts that can be put together from a business case perspective to, 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 to really put teeth and muscle behind what it is, Sarah, that you've mentioned, um, that you, you, you know, want to have, uh, your brand mission be about. So thank you so much for touching on those pieces. I want to talk a little bit about creativity, Kayla, from here. Um, obviously, you, as you mentioned, uh, you wrote a children's book with your sister, Keisha, whom I know as well, obviously, um, called The Magic of Basketball. And you also recently co-authored another book called Women for the Win. So, with those two pieces being said, my question to you, Kayla, is how do you cultivate creativity and what does creativity mean to you? Um, to me, creativity is a form of expression and a way to um, just express yourself and who you are and what's inside of you. And it can be in a variety of ways. I feel like there's ways to be creative on the basketball court, there's ways to be creative in your business, and there's ways to be creative with your rating. Mm-hmm. And then with respect to um, how do I get or find that, how do I get creative or find that space to be creative, um, for me, I noticed what works well for me is if I get up early in the morning and if I have like a to-do list. Like I like to get up early, start with my devotional, go over to and then I have like a to-do list I like to conquer. And then after that, that leaves me space to um, create really without the stresses of, oh, I have to get all the other stuff done. So I feel like I, I almost like kind of out to a certain extent, like kind of a little bit, but... Um, I think that's important because when it's like you're directing where you're spending your time versus just the time you're spending. I've been on that. I've been there plenty of times too where I'm like, where did they go? And yeah. anything that I wanted to do creativity-wise. So uh, I think that's important. Um, so thank you so much for talking, breaking down what your creativity, I guess like what gets 
those juices flowing for you. Kayla, I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned around athletes using their platforms for good. Um, giving back to the community, the MDYMCA program here in Canada that you're part of, Mentoring Young Girls. And in speaking about those things, I wanted to anchor that into the question that we actually touched on earlier, which is how do you still plan to have your brand transcend beyond your career, beyond your generation, and beyond your lifetime? I think it's about the legacy and creating something that's bigger than yourself. If I create something that's not about me but about others and making a difference in the world around me, hopefully others will continue with that legacy when I'm long gone. I think that's, I think that's the whole point at the end of the day. You want something that exceeds you and it's greater than you. Um, something that's inclusive that other people can get behind, can be involved in, want to take part in so that um, it's not about you. It, it lives on when you're gone and it's continuing to have an impact for hopefully years and years to come. A million percent. And with that, Kayla, I will thank you so much for joining this inaugural Volume 1, Season 1, Episode 1 of Rarity Brands, the podcast, um, with one of my very long ago and early childhood day ones. <laughs> I feel honored. Really oh, honored. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for just your patience and time and, and going through this and just know that just in the time that you spent and and in, in entrusting this this rich content with me and what it's going to create and what I'm going to do with it, you and just this conversation alone, um, has Kayla provided more than just a, a typical run-of-the-mill interview. You're, you're providing building blocks for blueprints that I intend to build for the future. So the children, yeah, yeah for the children that you're centering. Uh, I feel like I learned so much. So thank you. It's really important, like really thinking, like, okay, Kayla, where are you taking the things that you're taking? Like, are you not enjoying? So thank you. No, thank you. And definitely, like, keep in touch. Some of the things that I mentioned during our chat, um, as I listen back and do the editing of the episode and so forth, I'll just, like, ping them to you, a couple of which um, I mentioned, uh, you know, Gavin Shepard, when he talked about how nobody knows what it is that they're doing, and it's just about you know, iterating, figuring it out. People tend to follow whoever thinks and appears to look like they know what they're doing. And I mentioned his name, and then I also sent you, as I look back on it, um, his collective, his organization, which would be amazing for you to get a part of because it's kind of been keeping a lot with um, the creative side of what it is that you do outside of basketball. is called the Remus Project. And so I changed you those links on, on, um, on Instagram because... As I was actually earlier trying to say, and it was the point that I forgot that I now remember, is I feel it is so, so crucially and critically all about when we have conversations with each other like this, um, we meaning not just you and I, but us in community in Southern Ontario, in, you know, in the same collective, um, I feel it is just so important that we're constantly going through our mental rolodex and proactively and unflinchingly and enthusiastically introducing one another to people who can fill each other's gaps. And I really would encourage the days to be gone where folks feel and perhaps operate in a crab bucket mentality where there's only so much to go around and there's only so little to go around and think of and and realize that there's just so much of untapped wealth of potential and opportunity and community wealth from a cultural and uh, monetizable perspective that comes from 
hey, actually, this doesn't take anything away from me to introduce so-and-so to so-and-so. And doing that dot connecting and being that, you know, um, that, you know, business or industry matchmaker, each and every one of us, I do that sort of intuitively and instinctively, and I just feel like that's what's going to make us, you know, as competitive and as successful and as, and as beautiful a legacy as other demographics in society, like those in New York, like the society and the, and the culture that has existed for decades in L.A. Toronto has all the rare ingredients to make up something similar and greater and more beautiful in its own light, and I feel it really ties to connect back to all of us going through our mental rolodexes and, and introduce, going out of our way to introduce and connect one another with the ingredients and the things that we can intuitively and intuitively see um, are needed for that person to get ahead. Um, and so I feel that, you know, there's, as, as you were talking about, you know, wanting to get more into entertainment, I actually have a cousin who works at um, EA Sports in California. And I would love to, yeah, I'd love to connect with them. And there was, there was a couple other things that came to mind, the previous project being one, but definitely um, even, like, at, at uh, here in the entertainment industry in, in Toronto, like, there's just some vice presidents of marketing that I love to introduce just because I see those connections and how relationships matter as, as ingredients that are needed to, to manifest and create all the untapped rarity that exists Right here on our own backyard. And thank you to everybody who's listened to this inaugural episode. Thank you to Kayla, who's probably so, so tired, but who's been amazing and patient. God bless you, and, you know, have a great weekend. Yeah, Friday night. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, that's been all. Thank you again. Oh. And I can't wait to hear it. Um, whenever you do get them uploaded, um, yeah. I know you're probably going to get a whole bunch of them yeah, uh, just let me know so I can repost and listen. Oh, no, for That's sure. Fun. Yeah, it'll probably be towards, you know, end of summer, early fall. And it's cool. Yeah, I'm recording throughout the summer. Yeah. Okay, girl, I'll definitely let you know. I'll let you listen to it before I do that as well. Sounds yeah. great. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Bye.
Welcome to Rarity Brands, a podcast and business plan writing consultancy. My name is Alicia Babineau-Grady, and I'm the founder and show host. In this space, we elevate, promote, and sustain the voices and vision of all Canadian women, all people of color, and their authentic allies. Rarity Brands, where exceptions become the rule.